0: This is Heavenly Gospels Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We are in week four of our summer healing series. And today, Pastor Chelsea is teaching from the subject title, Take Care of My House. Enjoy. Enjoy. Say I got it. All right, that was a, that was a little bit. If you got it, say I got it. All right, that was the majority. All right. Starting with verse five, it says these twelve, these twelve, Jesus sent out with the following instructions: Do not go among the Gentiles, or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. This is my favorite part. Freely you have received, so freely give. Yeah. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Open our hearts, open up our minds to receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody shout amen. Come on, take your seats. As you take your seats, just bless God in this place. Man, I'm going to teach from a subject title called this morning, take care of my house. Come on, look at somebody and say, take care of my house. Family, we are in week four of summer healing series. And God is continuing to move on our behalf each and every week. And one thing that I want us to improve on as a church, HG, listen up, is for us to start taking notes. All right. So if you don't have a journal, please get one. If you can't, afford one I, I bet you there's a dollar tree somewhere where you can go get a journal for a dollar and you can go get about twenty pens for a dollar and if you still having issues you you know what you can do you can let me or Pastor jay know Elder hines or a trusted minister or elder because we want to be able to help you to have the tools to take notes and if you don't have a journal if you have an Apple or an Android. We ain't snoozing on the Android this morning, but I'm not sure. But I'm kind of thinking that there is always a note section somewhere in your phone for you to take notes. And so you're probably asking, why is it important for us to take notes? You see, when I was in school, my teacher would tell us, get out your paper and your pens and take notes. Why? Because this was all new information that we were getting ready to retain. And so we needed to be able to retain the things that she was teaching. And so with those notes, she would tell us to go home and make sure you go study your notes. Not just write them down, but go home and study and look over your notes. Why? Everybody say why? Because at the end of the week, there will always be a test. Now, the end of the week has come. And guess what, y'all? It's time to take the test. And, man, so it, it had to depend on which teacher, but this favorite teacher, she, w- with those notes, she would tell us um, when, when we come in for the test, she would say, if you took notes from earlier this week, you can take them out and use them on your. All right? You see, when we take notes, it may not be for that exact day, it may not be that exact season, it may not be that exact time or place, but one day your test will come, and you will, and guess what, you will already have a cheat code because you can pull out the word of God, you can pull out your notes, and guess what, you can be able to pass the test with flying colors. Well, you don't have to be thinking. Oh, but what was that one scripture? You can pull it out and know how to get through. And let me tell you, I've been trying my hardest to take notes all year, and I love it because it's times where I am challenged. But I learned that when the Holy Spirit is operating us, guess what? My language has to change. My love has to change. My labor has to change, and my living has to change. And with all of that, guess what else? I got to go with hope. I got to go with God. And there are some things that I have to go with. So if you don't take notes, those were all notes from the past. Hallelujah. Because there's been things that I had to use for my tests. Somebody say, I'm going to take notes. All right, go ahead. Take your notes out. Go ahead. Get it down. Go ahead, wave your notes if you already got it, just, all right, amen, all right, we got it understood. So we're in summer healing, and and it's very important for us to be taking notes, especially in this season, because there's so much that we as a people have to heal from. And so, like I said, we're in week four, and, and we've dealt with so far the unhealthy secrecy and walking in truth. You see, the past two weeks, we've talked about being verified, and the only way to really know who you are is to accept whose you are. <laughs> Build true relationship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I love what Pastor Jay said last week, that you don't have to wait to go through me to get to him. Hmm. <sighs> You you don't have to wait to to, to hear me on Sunday morning for you to get a word for your life. And so there was a story about a man, all right? It was a man, and he had a best friend. Anybody got best friends in this place? Raise your hand if you got. Okay, best friends, all right. She got happy about that. I love that. (laughs) Okay, and they were best friends, and they grew up together, They grew up together from childhood up until now, and this man loved his best friend. Anybody love their best friend? Go, best friend. That's my best friend. Yeah, okay. I love my best. He loved his best friend, and he trusted everything with everything in him. They spent a lot of time together, all right? They, they, They grew up together, and as the man got older, his best friend got engaged. And this man particularly did not like the fiance. Okay, <laughs> let's go a little deeper. Um, matter of fact, he said that she was the ugliest bride ever. My God. <laughs> I mean, just straight up, just he didn't hold nothing back. She ugly, bro. And not just, not, not just ugly um, as in looks, but ugly even on the inside. I mean, have you ever seen somebody so fine? You'd be like, ooh, they fine. But then you start figuring out all these issues. It ain't worth it, sis. It ain't worth it. <laughs> but although she meant well, she had so many issues and he wondered how his best friend could love somebody with so many problems, with so many issues, you know, She just talked to people any kind of way, just, I mean, don't have no tact, okay? And he was just wondering, man, how could he really love a woman like her? And so let me tell you who this best friend was. This best friend was named Jesus. And his fiance slash bride is the church. <laughs> I'm going to say that one more time. The best friend was Jesus. And the fiance, a.k.a. bride-to-be, is the church. So today we are continuing our healing journey and talking about the big elephant in the room called church hurt. Yeah. Church hurt. I don't know if there's anybody in here who's ever been in some church hurt, but I know that I can say that there's been times in my lives where the church has hurt me. And guess what, y'all? Newsflash, I grew up here my whole entire life. There's no other church that I've been a member of. This is the only church. And guess what? I have experienced church hurt. <laughs> My mama said I can tell the truth. So what is church hurt? Here we go. Take in the hotel. Church hurt is the pain sometimes inflicted by religious institutions. And, why, and I want to add, by church people. Yeah. You see, this is a pain that distances sufferers from communities, from their communities and from God. You see, there are so many different experiences, stories, encounters that I have heard with church hurt. But I want you to know, even with all of those encounters and and experiences, that it it is possible for you to heal from the hurt and still hold on to your faith. And as I was preparing today, the Holy Spirit revealed to me, that pretty much a lot of our messages have been for followers of Jesus Christ. That our messages has been for the believer and not really for the non-believer. And, and I didn't notice that, but again, it takes the Holy Spirit to reveal all truth. And guess what? He was revealing the truth to me. And you'd be like, hold on, hold on, wait. But isn't it the church mission to go out and reach the non-believer or the non-follower of Jesus Christ? Isn't that what Jesus did himself? He did. Jesus went out just healing folks. You healed. You get a healing. You get a healing. You get a healing. I mean, just healing everybody. (laughs) He went out into the nations and healed, set free and delivered. So why shouldn't we as a church do the same? But you see, in the text today in Matthew, Jesus sent out his 12. And if you don't know the 12, again, Vacation Bible School is this week, Monday through Wednesday, okay? Starting at 7 p.m., you can come on in to learn about the 12 disciples. And if you don't know, disciples are just students and followers and learners of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus sent out his 12 with instructions to not go the easy route. You see, um, when Jesus was getting ready to allow them and to permit them to go out and to spread the gospel, they thought that their first assignment was to go to the Gentiles, was to go to all of the other nations and proclaim the greatness of Jesus just like he did. But Jesus said, no, I want you to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He instructed them first, I need you to go home. Yeah. So what are you saying, Pastor Chelsea? Before we can go out to the nations, we have work to do in the house. All right, to paint it more. Growing up, my mother If I wanted to go out somewhere and I'd be like, mama, can I go spend the night at my best friend's house? She's like, yeah, but I need you to do me a favor. Make sure my house is clean. Okay, so we have the same mama, love it. Make sure my house is clean. Don't leave my house in a disarray. And God is saying the same thing before we can go out anywhere else before we go outside of any four walls before we want to go out and do all the testifying we have to take care of our house and take care of our house see before you want to get on a stage before you want to get on a pulpit before you want to take the mic before you want to be a leader before you want to get a title before you I need you to take care of my house. I need you to take care of my house. I need you to go find my sheep. You see, there are some sheep who are lost. There are some sheep that are hurting. There are some sheep that are weak. There are some sheep that are blind. There are some sheep who have been spiritually neglected. There are some sheep who have been spiritually abused and misused. There are some sheep who are scared. There are some sheep who are wondering. His sheep have been hurt, neglected, and or abused. And guess what, guys? It's our time to go and get them. Somebody say, take care of my house. You're not ever gonna invite some friends over to your house when the house is messy. What you do, you hurry up, you start pushing everything under the bed. (laughs) You try to make it look presentable. You try to get it all together because they, you don't want them to see what, how messy the house really is when they're not around. So why, it, so why in the world would you want to invite somebody over to your church when you see that it's a mess? Why? When you see that it's a mess. See, God is calling us to take care of his house. And you can't take care of his house without loving his people. Yeah. You can't. We can't be clicked up. We can't be choosy on who we want to love. We can't be selected on who we want to be nice to. We have to love his people right. We got to stop the gossip. We got to stop the group chats. We got to stop the politics. We got to stop the traditionalism. We got to stop the legalism. We got to stop the sneakiness. We got to stop the unhealthy secrecy. We got to stop the division. And we have to take care of his house. Somebody say, take care of his house. Maybe you can't go get any sheep and help find them because you're just as lost as them. <laughs> you're just as lost as, as them. When, when I started doing the study about how sheep operate and they operate in herds, Ooh. they operate in a group because whenever one sheep goes somewhere, the other will follow. Wherever one sheep will go, the other will follow their lead without hearing the good shepherd, without seeing the good shepherd, because, oh, you know, okay, hold on, hold on, here we go, here we go. So you can understand us in the African-American community. When we see one person run, we don't ask no questions. What well, we do? <laughs> All you need is about two good confirmations, I'm just going to go. <laughs> That's just what we do, right? We just run. So the same way with the sheep, because they're so scared and, and, and they're so paranoid that when one run, I'm going to run with them. But let me tell you, we cannot be grouped up like that. We cannot be so clicked up to where we don't hear the father in the church. Yeah, we can't be so clicked up to where we can't hear what the good shepherd is saying. And let me tell you, the good shepherd is Jesus, and we must follow him. So we're in summer healing. Pastor Chelsea, how do I manage church hurt? The truth is, some of us have been abused. And it could be in all ways, verbally, mentally, spiritually, some even sexually. Abused by church leaders church members, friends or family that belong in the church. So the first thing you should do is write this down because truth of the matter is we all will experience church hurt one in one way in our life. So I need you to write this down. The first thing is we have to acknowledge that you are hurt. You have to acknowledge that you are hurt. See a lot of us we be trying to push aside how We feel or what's really going on, but you have to acknowledge that their hurt is present. And let me tell you, there is a big difference in hurt feelings and church hurt. I'm going to say that one more time for the people in the back. There's a difference between hurt feelings versus church hurt. You see, there's a difference in emotion and in affliction. See, I'm not saying avoid or ignore how you feel, but church hurt isn't you being mad about the walls being painted another color. That ain't church hurt. (laughs) Church hurt isn't upset (laughs) that a person took your favorite parking spot. Just get here earlier. I don't know what to tell you. I don't. (laughs) Man, took my spot. Your name not on it. So go ahead and get here early so you can get your spot. <laughs> that isn't church hurt. That is hurt feelings. And you're entitled to that. That's fine. But don't be going around calling it church hurt. Mother Tate laughing. <laughs> we we, we, we got to define what church hurt really is. Church hurt is affliction. See, it's pain and suffering. Church hurt is heavy. Woo! See, church hurt can be so heavy, it can, it can start breaking your heart. Church hurt is like a heart that is broken into two. It's so heavy, it can throw you into depression. It's so heavy, you, know, you don't even want to get out of bed. I remember being church hurt. I missed church for a whole month because I couldn't fathom how the people of God could treat us any type of way. Because we chose to have the lights off and worship as young kids. But the altar was filled with young children crying out to the Father. But the only focus was on the church lights being off. But souls were being impacted. And I was hurt. It was a pain that I carried it was a pain that I didn't understand because all that Jesus wants me to do is come closer to him. So, why would somebody be mad because I came closer to him with the lights off? <laughs> why would I, why would you judge me getting closer to him because we have a little fog machines? And what they fail to realize is, well, this ain't the club. Well, you're dropping your kids off at the stadium on Friday nights. And let me tell you, they wasn't skating, baby. Okay, they wasn't skating, baby. But you're scared for them to come into the clubhouse of Jesus is to really get Jesus. But you want to, okay. hurt is pain. It's suffering. It's affliction. It's heavy. And whatever affliction it is that you have, especially with the church, I need you to acknowledge it. Somebody say acknowledge it. The Number two thing that you have to do with church hurt. And this one takes a little grace. (laughs) You have to remember the church's members. You have to remember the church members. Although scripture describes many ways in which humans echo and look like the image of God back to creation, there are at least three ways that we do not look like God. And those three ways are, write this down, we sin, we are finite, and we change. We sin We are finite and we change. And each of these can take a toll on our lives. These are the three things that when we look at the image of God and we're made, this is how we're set apart for him. Because we sin. God don't sin. We are finite. God is infinite. And we change. And guess what my mama told me? God don't change. nobody (laughs) you see sinful people hurt each other y'all heard the saying hurt people hurt people (laughs) so if you put a group of uh, people of diverse ages and backgrounds and convictions and personalities and and, and sin struggles in relationship together guess what life is going to get messy quickly I'm sorry, we're just human. Yeah. But guess what? None of, us, none of us is above it. We're not above it. And so we have to learn to set ourselves up as nothing more than a follower of Jesus. What do you mean by that? Sometimes when we meet, meet people who have gone through church hurt, we try to step in and be the heroes. It's not our job. All we can do is lead them to the good shepherd and allow him to do the work. But because you have this title, you want to be this person's savior. And when the human starts spewing out of you and they see that you're not Jesus, but you are quite a person who sins and who is finite and who changes then they want to say, you're not who you say that you are. But that's why we have to set up ourselves nothing more than a follower of Jesus. You see, since we're all capable of doing damage, it is unreasonable to expect the church environment to be pain-free 100% of the time. Y'all, this is truth. Because a lot of us want to find the perfect church. But let me tell you, nobody in the church is perfect. Come on, all the perfect people make some noise. All right. So that means we, we up in this thing and perfect. <laughs> and that's why we have to have accountability in our churches. We have to have accountability in our friend groups. We have to have accountabilities in our families. Somebody shout accountability. From the leaders to the congregants, we need accountability. And let me tell you, this is not a reality that Jesus didn't see because Jesus foretold the reality that the wolves can enter the flock, wrecking havoc, scattering sheep, and leaving behind collateral damage. But guess what? God will hold those people accountable. He may not do it right away, but he will do it. See, that's the thing. He said, vengeance is mine, said the Lord. And what we want to do is set up vengeance ourselves, and we want to go ahead and do the revenge. But God said, no, I see, and I will hold them accountable, because I am a just God. But the thing is, you want the people to hurt like you've hurt. And that's a human expectancy. But you got to let God deal with them the way that he chooses to because this is his church. Yeah. You see, um, because people change over time, churches are dynamic, not static. Even the best churches will eventually disappoint. I need y'all to hear this. While you're looking for the perfect church, I need you to note that it will eventually disappoint. Not hurt all the time, but you may be disappointed. So you may experience some disappointment. And although we rightfully belong, want to belong um, to, to a part of a healthy body, which is great. Our ultimate hope is not in how strong our local church is but it is in the head of the church himself you see god purposes will prevail as he build his church his way <laughs> the third thing write this down we got to remember the church's enemy remember the church's enemy you see jesus has an enemy and it's not the person in the next pew. Look at somebody and say, it ain't me. Now, if you ain't look, is it you? No, I'm playing. I ain't playing. I'm playing. <laughs> I'm playing with y'all. I'm playing with y'all. I ain't don't be saying. Pastor Chelsea be saying that. She calling me enemy of Jesus. I ain't saying that. But what we have to understand is that Satan has hated God from the beginning. And he wants to destroy and at least diminish the church because it's God's chosen instrument to grow his kingdom. I don't don't think y'all understand that this is God's chosen instrument to grow his kingdom. And Satan wants to tear the church as fast as Jesus can build it. You see, he is not above shameful tactics either. He is notorious in scripture. It says that the enemy is a liar. He's a thief. He's an accuser. He's an adversary. He's a murderer. As my mama would say, he's the lie and the truth ain't in him. It ain't in him. So when it comes to the deep wounds that church can inflict, remember who is the real enemy. We got to remember who is the real enemy behind the raging conflict or the oppressive leader and his crafty strategist who ruthless plans involve consuming God's people. We got to remember who's the real enemy. And if you're wondering whether to stay in church or leave, remember that Satan is actively seeking people to devour. And if you don't stay close to Jesus, that's why when you get church hurt, he wants you to stay home. He wants you to stay isolated. He wants you to, to, to have a faith that's inactive. Because he knows as soon as you stop relying on God, stop relying on his word, stop relying on assembly. He knows that if he can get you by yourself, he can whisper sweet nothings in your ear. And tell you nothing but lies that goes against the truth of God. So if you are a person that is online or if you are a person that is in here who is contemplating just staying home, I challenge you not to. Because he's actively seeking you. The fourth thing that we have to remember with church hurt is we have to remember who is king. (laughs) We have to separate people from the truth of God. Guess what? It's people who have hurt you, not God. It's people who have hurt you, not God. Guess what? It's not even in his character. It's not even in his true nature of who he is because the truth is God loves you. And guess what? The purpose for his church is for his glory. And guess what we've done as a church? We've made it about us. We've made it about us. We've made made it about how we want to be seen. We've made it about how we want to be exalted, how we want to love, how we choose to operate, how we want to worship, how we want to sing, how we want to play, how we want to serve, how we want to preach, how we want to treat people. We have made church about us and what's comfortable for us. But let me tell you, it's for his glory. And when things are for his glory, there are things that God is going to push you to do push you to respond push you in the ways that you wouldn't normally do it why because it's not about you being the church is for his glory so if you want to be seen, you can leave now because it's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's not about being a mega church, but it's about being the church. It's about presenting. we presenting Jesus in a way to where people can see who he truly is. That's what it's about. So if you just want to get up and get on the mic, there's the doors. Because it's not about us. It's not about our ego. It's not about our progression. And how, oh, look at me. Look. No, it's not about that. But it's about his glory. And once you, once you get your selfish heart to realize that. You can understand that God isn't abusive. God isn't controlling, God isn't confusing, God isn't a dictator, God isn't oppressive, look, look, but let me tell you what God is, God is loving. God is just. God is truthful. God is holy. God is compassionate. He's full of mercy and grace. God judges sin, but guess what? He also offers forgiveness. And let me tell you, if you've ever been somewhere and you feel like there's an abusive or controlling or confusing manner, let me tell you, it isn't God. If you go somewhere and they refuse to have accountability, it isn't God. If you go somewhere and they can't even apologize, even when they're wrong, but because they're the leader, they can't say sorry to their sheep. It is wrong. It is not God. See, when possible... When possible, seeing a tough church situation through can be the strongest statement a believer can make. Not about the church, but about Jesus. We think when we forgive the church that it's about the people. But when we forgive the church, it's about Jesus. See, our commitment... To the bride is a statement about the worth of the bridegroom. (laughs) Our commitment to the bride is a statement about the worth of the groom. You see, I'm faithful to my husband because he's my husband. And even in my shortcomings, it doesn't take away his worthiness of who he is. So when we're committed to being the bride, it is a statement about the worth of who Jesus is to our lives. And guess what? I'm not saying stay in a toxic, toxic environment, but I'm saying, please don't give up on the church. Please don't give up on the church. I remember when I wasn't coming to church, my mama started noticing. I chose to opt out. She said, baby, I know that you're hurting and I can see that, but I need you to come back to church. And I said, but mama, them people are just evil. They always want me to wear skirts. Y'all me and my mama would, would go at it every morning. Just can you just please wear a skirt? I'm tired of him. I said, mama. When I get to the heavens, the gates of heavens, okay? They're not going to turn me around and tell me to go put on a skirt for me to be judged, okay? They're judging my heart. So I'm sorry, mama. I can't appease them for their tradition, but I need them to look at my heart because ooh, because we, we, we worry about wearing skirts, but but but, 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 we're, but we're not worried about the matter of the heart. So that's how a woman can still wear a skirt and be promiscuous because you're only worried about the skirt But you're not worried about the matters of the heart. You're worried about me in pants, but you're not worrying about my heart. You're worrying about me wearing makeup, but you're not worrying about me in my heart. You're worrying about how I wear my earrings, but you're not worrying about my heart. You're worrying about all the outer appearances of things, but what about my heart? Here I am crying out, wanting you to see the matter of my heart. All you can do is see the matter of my dress code. And you wonder why the sheeps be lost. See, truth is, if you're driving, if you're driving and you have a flat tire, You gonna pull over on the side of the road. You gonna fix the tire. Or call somebody. Me, I don't know how to fix no tire. That's why I got brothers. But now I got my mans, the Okay, there we go. (laughs) But you're gonna fix the tire. You're not gonna pull over. And tell them to take it to the junkyard and that you're through with it. You're going to fix that tire. And you're going to keep it rolling. So why, when we go through church hurt, we want to throw all of the churches in the fire with it? Because you're one bad experience. Now everybody has to be there. You see, Jesus died for his bride to make her spotless and splendid forever. Jesus believed the beauty of the church was worth his life. So he laid down to to purify her. Let me tell you, the bride, we, the church, reflect back to him, not our own worth, but the worth of the one who created, called, and redeemed us. I'm closing you see, Jesus' bride sometimes reflects more of sin's stain than her Savior's splendor. We are in the process of being sanctified until Jesus returns. So what do we do with hurt? church hurt? We have to acknowledge that it hurts. We have to remember the church's members. We have to remember the church's enemy. And we have to remember the church's king. So today, today I stand in place for the ones who hurt you. It may be a pastor, may have been an elder, a teacher, To some kids, it may have been your parent, a friend, a leader, or a church member who may have afflicted you. You may never hear them say personally, I'm sorry. But I want to stand in the place of that and say that I'm sorry. We're all standing Even if I'm the one me personally Chelsea has even afflicted and caused that pain I'm here to stand today publicly and say I'm sorry yeah. on this day forward we have to take care of our house and our house we really truly have to heal because if we don't we're ready to get in thank you Holy Spirit more of us are in a rush to get in a position rather than healing more of us are rushing to get a title rather than healing a lot of us are rushing to be seen rather than to heal but we truly have to heal love, repent and accept accountability now to HG as a church before the Holy Spirit commands expansion we have to work towards our healing there is no way that we can live out our mission to reach the lost, restore the broken, renew the mind and represent Jesus. Our mission as a church, if we stay in broken places, how can we help restore the broken if we're in constant state of brokenness? how can we renew the mind when you're even scared to face the truth about some things that you're not even ready to renew? How can we reach the lost when you out there lost with them? And how can we represent Jesus when we don't even have him within our hearts? So with every eye closed, every head closed, Thank you, Father. Thank you for listening to our Heavenly Gospels podcast. We hope something was said for you to come back and listen again. If you would love to partner with us through giving, you can via cash app, dollar sign, Heavenly Gospel, or go to our website at hglovespeople.com and press the give tab. If no one told you today, we love you.